The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Welcome to the Bonus Bugle with the working title 4175A. I am Andy Zaltzman doing an absolutely killer impression of Chris the producer and in no way did I just go out for the day without recording this intro. I would never do that. Whilst I'm here I would like to say a few things. Number one, bloody hell, that Chris is great. What a guy. I couldn't do without him. Uh, Number two, it's holiday season. And no, I'm not going to go and say which one. It's your life. You choose. But it is time to treat yourself or a loved one. So why not get some official Bugle merch? We have half a glass of water t-shirts that are selling fast, like really fast, like almost sold out. And interestingly, if you get a half a glass of water t-shirt soaking wet and then squeeze all the water out, it actually will fill half a glass of water. Uh, There's also hats and jumpers and scarves and stickers. You can get them all wet too if you like. I don't care. Bye now. Okay, on with the show. It's a Bugle Q&A that we recorded live on the internet with video and stuff yesterday. It's still there somewhere. Uh, In it, I, Andy Zaltzman, and with producer Chris and Alice Fraser, answering questions about this fine show plus stuff about John Oliver, who, The Last Post, Milk Jugs, and Violence. And then, there's some lies. Here we go. I'm going to start with three questions combined uh, from Jennifer Bogart, Paul Crawford, and Marcy. uh, So, we've got 8am, f*** you, Chris. Why did I have to get up this early? And will you be recording this so as some of us on PST can listen and watch later? <laughs> well, uh, well, PST, PST um, I think you can get medical treatment for that now. Um, but uh, uh, yes, well, we are recording this. So if you are not watching this now, you will be able to listen to it at a later stage. Uh, highlights will go out on the uh, as uh, part of this week's uh, sub bugle, uh, four thousand one hundred and seventy five sub episode uh, A. Uh, so you can both you can listen and or watch later. I mean, it's a visual spectacle uh, as as all bugle shows are. So uh, in many ways, I believe that although we start as an audio newspaper, we've become much more about the pure the pure visual element. Yes. Certainly all of your dance videos, your immensely popular TikToks would indicate that your um, complex opinions are actually best and most articulately expressed in the medium of modern dance. Yes. Well, many people have have said that in the the past and... uh, yeah, I mean, it does. The body doubles cost a huge amount, but I think they're worth every single penny. The grace um, of an eagle, the aggression of a swan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eight a.m. So uh, where, where that's that sounds that sounds like uh, East Coast, North America. Mm. Um, I mean, that's that's an early fuc to to uh, to fire in, oh, Chris. I mean, does, it, does does the time of day that you receive these anti greetings, you know? make a difference to the impact they have on the devastation they impart in your soul. Yeah, it's 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 actually very difficult for me to start the day without being told to <laughs> myself. Like I feel I feel Chris, all at we're sea. Before the watershed. So... Uh, Alice is the only person allowed to swear on the show because it's past <laughs> bedtime where she is. Whereas we we are, we are broadcasting you're broadcasting to north in North America. You're applying to you know kids over the breakfast table, their parents yeah, you know, who see the bugle as an educational resource 
more than anything that they use to tell their children the truth about the world. And you've sullied it with your potty mouth. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, coming from a father who has dropped far more significant language in live shows in front of his own <laughs> children. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, and, and we had a question about... Uh, uh, I saw this come in a question about me delivering my son. So I imagine actually the first word he heard was probably (laughs) me (laughs) dropping the big one. But, you know, Andy, it's important to give things their proper terms. You want to, you know, you want to call things by their proper names as part of the modern uh, child-rearing experience, and you've got to call a spade a sometimes. (laughs) Family show, Alice. Uh, someone to see uh, uh, Jeff on the uh, YouTube chat suggested Alice is the only person allowed to swear on the show. Should be part of our new merch range. Um, so, uh, Give see. it a couple um, of years. Because we'll get right um, on it. Uh, Paul Crawford, who asked, why do I have to get up this early? Well, fundamentally, Paul, it's due to the dog-eat-dog capitalist world that we live in. Um, that's why we all have to get up too early to work too hard to be not happy enough. So blame blame that. As Ayn Rand famously wrote, if you don't leap out of bed at 5.30am, someone else is going to smother you to death with a pillow made of coffee. But, I mean, that's that's what we fought the Cold War for. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, there was uh, also a couple of questions coming in, at, uh, Chris, highlighting that we'd scheduled this for uh, to happen during the first South Africa versus England one international cricket match. Um, well, the, the cricket fans amongst you may know that game has been postponed, allegedly due to a COVID test, but the real reason is because I wield so much power in the cricket world that they realised they could not yeah. have an international match clashing with this hastily arranged Bugle Live Q&A. I like the thought of it maybe being a bugler over there who had to dish out a false positive <laughs> test result to someone just in order to guarantee your full attention for We've the next hour. It. I mean, that is underrating the commitment of Bugle fans. They definitely went and licked someone. (laughs) Uh, Can I just ask, before we move on to uh, general bullshit, um, uh, Tom Walker wants to know, each of you, what is your favourite flavour of crisp? And I assume they mean potato chip. I I would say I like (laughs) salt and vinegar chips. Because right. they, there's something claggy about most other flavours, uh, where salt and right. vinegar uh, clear your mouth as you eat them. So, <laughs> Right. I mean, to me, Mr Walker, let's just pick up on that name a bit. I mean, is this... Are you basically just trying to, you know, tie up some <laughs> lucrative deal with the world's leading <laughs> podcast, uh, Walker? Chip Maven. To, uh, market your market your crisps uh, to our 7.8 billion listeners, which is more people than are currently alive in the world. Extraordinary, um, but we are we are counting uh, dead people. That's all the rage these days. Uh, some like 84 percent of all the votes in the American election, of course, cast by the dead. Um, uh, but uh, that's that's a fact. I mean, it's not not a true fact. Still a fact. Uh, I believe, uh, Tom Walker, that flavour in crisps and snacks is passe. I, I don't, I'm not interested in what it tastes like. I want, I'm interested in what food makes me feel. I think emotional crisps are the future. And, of course, friend of the show, Scluton Malvane, uh, did uh, recently open his new Emoto Bistro in which each, uh, each dish is intended to provoke an emotion. Uh, more than a flavour signature, dishes include hollow-eyed haddock pessimistically served on a resigned bed of fait accompli seaweed 
and the gunpoint-served ransom of lamb's liver frightened to a quivering terrorine tormented by a haunting memory of spirit-broken split peas. And he's um, <laughs> launching a new range of uh, emotional crisps as well. Uh, the flavours are hope and wistfulness, dread and suppressed regret, and confused betrayal, uh, which I think is the most directly equivalent to cheese and onion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Matthew Gwynn has been in touch. Um, okay. This is a long one. Uh, Andy, I think you're going to need to cast your mind back to episode 193. Okay. Where yeah. in that bugle, you accused Osama bin Laden of using 150 chickens for a seven round single elimination tournament yeah. with 22 reserve chickens yes. to replace winning chickens that yeah. die from injuries sustained. Correct. Yeah. I, uh, I think. What our uh, correspondent here wants to know is, uh, should you not have done an eight-round tournament with first-round buys for some of the chickens and subsequent chicken fatalities being an automatic loss in the next round, which would be more in character with Ozzy's character and temperament? Sure, you might end up with no surviving chickens, but fair is fair. Well, look, look, um, what I would say is that you're misrepresenting what I said on, on that occasion, I didn't accuse Bin Laden of holding this tournament. I merely picked up on the fact that one of the details that emerged after he was uh, compromised to a permanent end, as I believe uh, John Oliver reported, John <laughs> Sainer saying, uh, was that he had 150 chickens. And I pointed out that this was a really weird number of chickens to have because it meant that you could not have a fair seven-round knockout uh, and that uh, you know, if he did any way of doing it, whether with your you know buy round buy rounds by you know, how do you how do you seed chickens to you know to, how do you decide which ones get get the buy and do you just do a random draw? That doesn't seem. Well, the point was, Bin Laden had clearly not thought about the the fairness of any knockout chicken competition, uh, which really revealed a lot about the man and his uh, and his appalling moral compass so either way whether you do it as a knockout with backup chickens parachuted in suddenly you could have a chicken only having to fight the final winning the whole thing obviously unfair or by or some kind of complicated repechage system the point is bin laden did not give any thought to the the fairness of a chicken knockout competition and you know if you needed any further evidence that this was not a, a nice man to hang out with surely Surely that was it. Yeah, monster, monster. Uh, Kyle also wants to cast your minds back to Bugle 151 um, and has asked, when will you formally apologise for what happened in that episode? Uh, Andy, you, you might need to give some context as to what <laughs> what we did. In I mean, I'm, I, mean I think that, um, the immediate thought would be a pun or something objectable going in the bin, but right. is it more than that? Well, um... Look, uh, I, I took a look back at episode 151, which you know I'm sure everyone remembers very clearly. We did report on the royal wedding in that, uh, um, uh, the wedding of um, William and trainee Queen Kate. Uh, I, I don't know if, if if that's what you want the apology for, Kyle. Is that, I mean, is that is are you so appalled by two young people wanting to share their lives together? In the the, the, the the holy sanctified uh, institution of uh, royal matrimony, which is like ordinary matrimony but weird, um, <laughs> or also in one five one, and you know we we um, well I mean we may we might have to apologise for this. We did speculate on uh, 
the, 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 the seemingly distant prospect of Donald Trump becoming president. Now, I can't remember if we'd already done this on a previous bugle, but that it, the Bertha, the Obama Bertha story was in the news uh, that week. Um, and uh, we, it, I'm just looking back at the, the my notes from that script. I quoted a, an article on Al Jazeera from 2011 saying Donald Trump is the living embodiment of every degrading aspect of American culture. And... <laughs> Those words have really stood the test of time very well indeed. There was a uh, Trump fact box about how he made a lot of his money from casinos. So this background in fleecing the American public whilst promising them unattainable dreams and stacking the odds artificially against them is ideal preparation for a career in top-level politics. You know, I am a prophet. It's not easy. It's not easy to be me when I know the power I wield with my (laughs) words from podcasts from nine years ago. Um... So, yes, uh, we did... Um, also, he was a member of the Gaming Hall of Fame, uh, and I assume that means uh, gambling, the sort of gaming, rather than you know, com- com- computer gaming. And we've had... Um, or Neil Strauss's actually, no, we, The we Game. A, well, exactly. We had, uh, we've had some questions in about uh, the Watchdogs Legion game, in which uh, Alice and I feature. I don't know if we were, we'd put any of them on the... Uh, the list of questions but um I, there was some skepticism alice about you know how much i know about you know the gaming world and whether i'm you know not not fully up to speed with what what the kids are i mean that's that's pretty harsh isn't it or absolutely cutting edge oh yeah absolutely you have uh the uh, rapid fire thumbs of a 13 year old competitive korean esports champion uh thank you yeah, they just happen to be attached to the wrists of a man who would much rather use them to write cricket statistics. <laughs> Andy, you keep putting sections in the bin. Right. Has anyone ever emptied this bin? Well, I mean, it depends what you mean by a bin. I mean, what? Sorry, this was from, I should give credit where credit's due, Alex Buchanan. Thank you, uh, Alex. Um, well, there's a couple of ways of answering this. One... Is uh, you know what what is a bin? Uh, is it not merely a manifestation of the emptiness of our souls? Uh, and the the other is no. uh, the bin. Obviously, is uh, <laughs> is metaphorical um, because, as long term buglers will know, in one of the very first episodes of the bugle, uh, reported the harrowing story that our bin had been stolen back in two thousand and seven by some. Uh, people from uh well a couple of doors down and uh you know ever since then you know it's been hard for me to talk about bins it's uh it's uh you know it's not not i mean yeah uh, in answer your question it's all there it's it's in the the bin is merely the coal oil and gas of future generations as uh, no doubt some very dead trees would testify now the um, the show has a long history of literary tie-ins. Yes, you know, in, in recent times, Alice has worked with like the acclaimed Dancy Lagarde. Yep. Um, historically, uh, we built up a relationship with, I believe, the Grisham Foundation um, <laughs> for a title, the Congressman's Peace. Yes. Uh, Neil Peter right. writes in and asked, "Whatever happened to the sequel of that novel?" Well, it was a. Uh... It was Grisham, wasn't it? The uh, the, um, the 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 writer of the uh, it wasn't my it wasn't my work. I just we just had a deal to 
serialise it. Um, but um, I'm afraid the whole, the whole the whole franchise hit a bit of a buffers when they the decision to reboot, you know, do this sort of second follow up version of the story around a, a congresswoman uh, proved um, well unpublishably uh, <laughs> graphic. So um, that's you know it, it just. Uh, Went the, went the way of many literary literary <laughs> projects. Alice, there's a question come in for you on on Twitter oh. from Suborble. I need to know how much cheese is too much cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I feel like context matters here. I need to know the circumstances in which you in which you uh, require this answer. I would say yeah. uh, too much cheese is just slightly more than enough cheese. <laughs> Um, and this uh, from uh, Aaron Green. Are you aware of a universe in which you or your doppelganger is a flamingo? If yes, do they also not have COVID-19 and would you be <laughs> willing to accept that trade-off? Uh, absolutely not. There, there is no amount of money you could pay me, no incentive that you could offer me, uh, no possible set of circumstances in which I would contemplate aligning myself with those filthy, knock-kneed, swamp-dwelling, silt-sucking, baby-stealing, red cottage cheese vomiting aberrations <laughs> in the name of both nature and good taste. Uh, so, yes, I would, I would rather have myself thrown into a sarlacc pit full of wood chippers than contemplate <laughs> even the possibility of a universe in which I am, let alone am close to, a flamingo. <laughs> That flamingo in your description definitely sounded part stork. <laughs> Aren't they all? You've got um, two legs. Use them. They're just, uh, yeah, they're just storks crossed uh, with communism. Uh, before we move into another subject area, I just wanted to reflect on Tom Ward's brilliant question. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, he, he, the question really, have I wasted my life, is only part of his brilliance <laughs> because he has... Um, well, that, again, that is uh, very much the working <laughs> subtitle of this podcast from day one. <laughs> So um, Tom has made a list of all the bands that, Andy, you claim to oh, have well. been in at school. <laughs> okay. um, going back to Bugle 22's The Tarpaulin of Mercy, oh, yeah, yeah. 64's Sausage Forecast. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit, bit uh, We're working through a Budget Hazelnut Yogurt, yeah. Kung Fu Fatty and the Second King of Prawns. <laughs> yeah. Testicular Zone. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, arguably a bit, a bit too far for, for, the, for the audience at the time. Impromptu piss sprinkler. <laughs> Ill advice. I was badly advised by, by my agent. Syrian electronic army. Yeah, I stand by that work. I mean, it was yeah, derivative. I mean, Craftwork fans thought it was just us playing Craftwork and um, <laughs> you know, threw us a, a Syrian flag. But look, anyway, look, it was experimental for what it was. Slapstick Gandhi. The best kind of Gandhi. <laughs> Permian Triassic extinction event. Yeah, uh, I mean, not not your classic blues blues band name, but you know, we you know it was, uh, uh, and it made, it did make it hard to really penetrate that massively lucrative market. The next two, amazingly, you invented just for sub episodes. <laughs> so two hundred and fifty one A, cure aristocrats of Qatar. <laughs> And 258A, Bandito Fury. Yeah, well, both good bands. I mean, some of the work that uh, 
that uh, Bandito uh, did was was terrific. I think it stands the, the, the test of time, even though, of course, I was at school at the time. And, uh, you know, some of these bands overlapped. Um, you know, I was, uh, and, you know, I was at school for, what, 13 years, from the age of five uh, to, to 17, 18. So, you know, a lot of time for bands. Yeah, that was because uh, you know, didn't have the internet. We're going to move on to uh, a, a different subject matter. I guess b- both of you will have a view on this. Uh, from Phil Davison, will the Trump presidency, I guess, deserve and receive a fuck eulogy? Well, I mean, you're assuming, Phil, that uh, that he actually lost and uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, tr- the true result will not be known by the 20th of January. Um, and also, if that does happen, you're also assuming that... Uh, I mean... It, yeah, we've talked about this on the bugle. I'd, I'd, I'd love to think that the Trump story, as uh, presaged in Bugle 151, is uh, is over. But I think every right-thinking human being fears that, uh, in many ways, this might be just the, uh, with hindsight, almost uh, likely amusing prequel to whatever may follow <laughs> in future years. Well, I'd love, to, I would love to do that. Um, it will, we will certainly give it the send-off. This presidency, the send-off it deserves, even whilst uh, properly shitting ourselves about the uh, the, the future. <laughs> well, Alice, what well, I mean, how 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 do you intend to uh, to mark the end of the, the the Trump the Trump presidency? Well, I I have to say, Andy, as a uh, as a satirist, uh, as as a satirist who's in the arts community, which is as we as we know uh, dominated by majority leftists, I am uh, sick of the lazy anti-Trump jokes and uh as such i will probably gather all of my lazy trump jokes and fire them off in one glorious <laughs> uh spasm of of completion i think uh i think i will be happy never to write another trump joke but as you say i fear yes. i fear that the requirement for comedy will never cease um the um uh, I, I, yes well uh, what I'll do is after this, I'll, I'll post a link to um, or the, the the Trump routine I enjoyed doing most, which I recorded a version of at the Great Debate in Australia a few few years ago, in which um, the only way that I could I found that I could I, I could sort of cope with Trumpic news as the uh, lily-livered uh, snowflake stroke someone who has vague hopes for a better planet uh, delete according to your political preference uh, that, that I am was to uh, print out his brain as a cauliflower and get him to talk about cricket I'll uh, I'll uh, tweet a link to that um, well, he has an incredible, after this it's probably he has an inc- the highlight of my career he has an incredible ability to use half sentences to, ge- to gesture towards meanings uh, that his audience wants to hear it's sort of a, a powerful use of language as a sort of an emotional uh, sort of hand wave, like everything he says is a Rorschach test where uh, the picture is a penis holding a gun and a credit card. <laughs> For a shell company didn't, that doesn't exist. Didn't, just think that if he'd, won, if he'd won this election, that is what the American flag would have become <laughs> by the end of next year. Didn't your cauliflower Trump actually have some objectionable views on cricket as well? <laughs> 
Uh, oh, I can't remember. It went through various iterations, Chris. Oh, it's been a while <laughs> since. I, but also I found I'm sure. that was the only way that I found I could deal with Trump news was but when I started, and I, we did it a few times on the Bugle as well, chopping up Trump's, it meant that when, when he was on the news, I ceased listening to what he was actually saying <laughs> and was only listening to... His words thinking, what can I, you know, how can I chop this up to make it turn it into something else? And it made it actually a lot easier. To, I would recommend it highly. Uh, it really takes the edge off, uh, takes the edge off things. You wouldn't take money from Trump if he wrote it on the money he owed you. <laughs> Never a true word spoken, which admittedly is not a, a huge accolade on this show. Uh, so, so it's it's the afternoon in the UK. Uh, so let's. Um... Uh, so let's, as, as we're in the middle of our day, let's do the middle of this show in Britain with Ian Wilson's question uh, about where does Canada fall on Gavin Williamson's big list of countries if the UK government are going to go all in on a trade deal with Gretzky land? <laughs> well, obviously, I mean, this is, uh, it's been a great week for Britain um, with the, the exciting news, uh, you know, obviously around the world, people are getting excited about about vaccines and uh, we've uh, we've cleared we've cleared it for use um and gavin williamson um who is and i say this with the heaviest of hearts education secretary uh, of this country <laughs> the man in charge of what british children are taught in school said that the reason that we have cleared cleared these uh, these vaccines for use before other countries is because we are a better country we are a greater nation than some of these other countries with their you know stickling for detail and you know double checking stuff and uh, not having quite as bad a virus year <laughs> as we've had because they're not as great a country we fronted up to this virus we refused to let it not infect us we took it full on and uh, that's what makes uh, that's what makes Britain the, uh, obviously the greatest uh, greatest country in the history of the entire universe in the, in the head of uh, Gretz, Gretzky Land. I think it's a good name for for Canada. It's got to sort of you know start marketing itself a bit more uh, aggressively. And um, obviously, you know the the ice the ice hockey fan is the most powerful demographic in global global politics uh, now. Uh, I mean, Alice, where do you think Australia stands on the the list of um, Greatest countries in the world uh, behind uh, behind Britain, obviously. Oh, yeah, that's a bit of ice hockey for you. Well, you know, uh, it depends on your metrics for measuring the greatest. I mean, have we dealt with the virus way better than you have? Yes. Uh, are we uh, yeah, yeah. built on stolen land? Yes. Uh, did we the other day have 40 degree centigrade temperatures and 90 kilometer winds at the beginning of a spectacular bushfire season? <laughs> Um, that's just a prediction, but it's a pretty good prediction. And the next day we had hail. So uh, I feel <laughs> Australia is certainly one of the most excitingly climactic places. Uh, I don't know where that falls on the list. Yeah. But, I mean, we, we Britain has been world-leading in so many aspects of the, the fight against the, the virus. You know, most incompetence uh, responses were right up. They're not necessarily top. So, so before you start writing in, American Bugle, Bugle fans, I'm not claiming we did it worse betterly worse than 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 anyone but we've been right up there definite po podium podium finish a quick shout out to cosmo who says uh that he i guess maybe she discovered uh you guys um via the game uh the the ubisoft game uh on the bug yes and wasn't aware of the podcast but is now a fan <laughs> because of your your in-game roles 
My career is complete. Um, <laughs> Hello, Cosmo. Welcome. Hi. Uh, so there was a, Sorry. There was a question, um, Chris, that I, I, I wanted to address from uh, from Guy Cunliffe, on, um, it, which was this. How many porcelain milk jugs yes. would you need to scoop up all the lies Donald Trump has told in office? And how far would those milk jugs extend if you lined them up next to each other? Please give the answer in a round trip. Now, this ties in with the kind of calculations, the kind of pioneering mathematical calculations we've always done on this show, uh, dating right back to, was it frozen cricket bats full of oil or something? Mm. Um, way back. Um, the uh, So anyway, I've done some maths for you, uh, Guy. Um, according to the Washington Post's um, lie counter, of Trump, he went through the twenty thousand lie barrier a few months ago. So God knows after the election exactly what it is. So, but he was averaging over fifteen a day, and that's even before the election and the post-election. And that's only the ones that he's published or said out loud. That so they're not even including all the lies he tells himself, <laughs> uh, which is I mean, way off the scale. So, um, but I, I'm not sure how they count it. You know, for example, so it is. A 43-minute video containing an unending shit chunder of lies. Does that count as one lie, or is each individual lie within that counted separate? I mean, do you, I mean Alice, you're a, uh, obviously a, a philosophy uh, uh, expert. I mean, what, what, I mean, how do you define is it, you know, a 43-minute barrage of lies? So, do you count that as a lie or? What is it? I mean, a, 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 a web of lies, a tissue of lies. Yeah, I feel like it's like a babushka doll. In that, a babushka, a babushka, right. babushka doll is is the entire thing, but then within it, it contains a number of smaller uh, babushka dolls. Except in the case of Trump's yes. lies, often you'll open the babushka doll, and the babushka doll inside is larger and um, yeah. undermining democracy. Yes. So um, uh, basically, I, I don't know if the, if the overlapping intertwining webs of lies multiplied together, or you do some some sort of average smoothing. But anyway, the point is, say say if we take it even at just twenty two thousand lies, even if we assume that he actually slowed down a bit this year, if you converted twenty two thousand lies into milk, and milk is itself a lie um, because <laughs> it's not a white liquid; it's a it's a it's a colloid. It's a suspect. It's not. It's not what it pretends. Anyway, the, the point is, assuming one lie is equivalent to four and a half pints of milk, um, <laughs> which is about the amount of milk you would need to have intravenously injected before you start to doubt whether this particular vaccine is uh, a genuine one and whether this particular doctor is fully qualified or just has a vague memory about vaccination having something to do with cows. But anyway, so you've got 22,000 lies at four and a half pints of milk. As much milk as you lies. drink in the Go Mad protocol, I think. Uh, something like that, uh, uh, and so you've got, yeah, porcelain milk jugs of two hundred twenty-five mil, about twelve centimeters across. You're going to need two hundred forty-nine thousand nine hundred milk jugs. I'm ballparking here. If you line them up side by side, that's about thirty kilometers or eighteen miles, which is the exact distance of the round trip from the White House to the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center where Trump was treated for COVID. This goes right to the top, people. Right In this year of conspiracies, I think I might have landed on the biggest one. The Walter Reed Medical Center, of course, named after Walter Reed, the Surrey and England batsman of the late 19th century. <laughs> oh, anyway. Let's uh, take this one from Alistair Boynton. How big and fancy are the Christmas cards that John Oliver John Oliver sends over nowadays? Who uh, and are they signed by his secretary? 
Well, I mean, he he doesn't really send Christmas cards anymore. He sends uh, an entire theatre troupe um, <laughs> to perform a Christmas greeting uh, for me, and they 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 set up a stage. Takes them about three days to get all the scaffolding up, uh, and then it's about you know hundred strong troupe plus orchestra in a in a pit that we have on our uh, on the pavement outside outside our house, and they just do, do a little uh, Christmas show lasting about ninety to. 120 seconds and uh it's a, it's a lovely gesture and it's you know because you know it shows that you know he's he, he he hasn't forgotten about britain yes i particularly enjoy how he always themes it to the like those sort of bad taste christmas cards sort of the punchline is something yeah. like i'll have santa up my chimney oopsies you know <laughs> David Hemmings points out that John has a sewage treatment works named after him. Uh, Andy and Alice, which public utility would you like to have named after you guys? <laughs> Alice, I'll, 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 let you, I'll let you take this. I mean, uh, I would say um, this is a feature of Sydney. So if we have any Australians watching this show, uh, go to bed, it's late. But also uh, <laughs> all of our public facilities, particularly in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, are have incredible views. So you have like an electricity substation with like sweeping views of the harbour and, and, and uh, the ocean. So in terms of my, my own sort of pleasure, it would be something like that. But realistically speaking, what I always want is a toilet. Um, right. Well, my, my father had a urinal named after him at his university. Uh, the full story of how and why that happened is shrouded in 1960s mystery. But, um, <laughs> it apparently, did there was for a time a uh, a uh, Zoltzman Memorial urinal. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's hard to know. You know, obviously, that's yeah, in typical John Oliver style, he's he's, he's taken it one step further, but um, had an entire sewage works named after him for me. Personally, um, I would like to have the public utility. I'd like to have would be a levitating bench, um, which is like a normal bench, but it <laughs> doesn't have legs and just hovers at bench height. Uh, but I don't know if the if the cost of that is probably prohibitive. A natural segue into some questions on the last post. This is from Ali. Um, ask Alice, uh, who does the last post of Alice Fraser announcement in the intro? It sounds like John Oliver. Um, does he need to do voiceover work to pay bills in another dimension? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you'd have to ask Alternate Universe Alice about that. But as far as I know, that John Oliver in that dimension is a shoes sales is a shoes salesman. Uh, so he may do some voiceover acting uh, on the side. <laughs> Rolf Paulson wants to know, uh, possibly wrong dimension, as you might have alluded to there, Alice. But will Christopher be shit out of luck on the first of January? <laughs> 2021. That was another band I was in at school as well. <laughs> um, I, I can't tell if this is an oblique uh, question about the end of the last post um, or or whether they just want uh, the best for Christopher, as we all do, uh, in the other dimension. Such a nice man, as all of his nice many guy. husbands and wives would say, uh, just overflowing with love and generosity. Uh, so uh, I hope he will not be shit out of luck. I feel we have probably wished him sufficient luck to carry him into the new year, uh, at which point he'll have made enough passionate connections with wealthy people to continue to fund his extravagant lifestyle. I genuinely fantasise about going into that universe, that dimension, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> killing Christopher, 
get taking that wonderful reputation and life that he has and just carrying on as me in that world is that wrong of me yes is it uh alice uh, this comes from scott to you Hello, scott um, Alice, for the last post, how much of the jokes about the difference between the worlds do you keep notes on, like New New Zealand or Sweden mm-hmm. not being there? Oh, love the last post. Uh, well, I can, uh, if anyone wants to know, I can show you my my mood board here. <laughs> so, uh, if you could read any of that, you'll have some sense of how much planning I do. Quarantan yes. asks... Uh, what is the present location of the test match ball I rolled on the stage at you, greatest heckle in history, at the Aladdin in Portland in the before times? Uh, yes. Well, this was a show, what, two or three years ago. And I think I obviously must have mentioned it on the on the, on the bugle when uh, yes, you rolled a cricket ball across across the stage. Let me tell you where that cricket ball is. Um, was I a giant head uh, in that show? Yes, I think you were. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is the ball Very from good. Portland, and that's uh, obviously in my desk. I've also got this one and uh, <laughs> that one and, uh, and that one plus uh, a few practice balls. But this is this was the one. This is the one that narrow, narrow old style seam uh, that rolled across the stage. This is this is a piece of of comedy history, albeit a piece of comedy history of a real interest only to me and Quarantan, who uh, tweeted that question. At this stage of a show, we should probably be talking a little bit more about puns. All right. Uh, Jeff would like to know, with the wealth of material available, why hasn't Andy done a pun run using co-host names? Uh, oh, that's that's, um, that's quite a good... That's a bad thought. Yes. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think it's because I can't get the phraseology uh, of it. <laughs> oh, right. fuck. Um, but I'll see if I can get a pal to help me out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh dear! You started it. Mm. No, no, I started it with North Korea. I think Tony asks uh, a, a, a big question. Yep. Do you do the pun runs for a the pleasure of bringing home a particularly complex pun? B uh, the spite in doing them, despite the pain they cause to other people. Yep. C j- simply the sheer fun of it, or D all of the above. Well. I mean, D is probably closest because I mean, how do you separate A, B, and C? There, you know, they're all you know, very much, you know, three, three of the same side of the same one-sided coin, uh, if I may put it in those terms. Um, but um, it's it's yeah, it's that, and also it's just the yeah you know, the sensation that, that I'm uh, of being alive. I mean, I mean, there is no greater work. Some people do surfing, or. Uh, uh, you know, fly wingsuits. Uh, I think sitting up at three in the morning, um, in bed writing puns about dogs. That's 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 my, you know, uh, w- wingsuiting jump off the Burj Khalifa. You know, we all have different ways of uh, exciting ourselves. Well, I feel that people underrate puns as sort of a sort of a frivolous pursuit. Yep. But essentially, we understand the world, particularly in the modern age, as as a process of semantics. You know, we all live online lives. We live a life of words, and yep. puns uh, cast doubt on the very uh, ability of language to uh, touch on meaning. It, it, it they oh, open exactly. uh, they open a chasm into the void of of uh, meaninglessness. 
And so yes. uh, they, I, I feel, are an incredibly dangerous uh, toy to play with. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't see them as a toy. I, I see, you know, it, with great... As a weapon. Well, with great power comes great responsibility, Chris, <laughs> and I, I hope I use that responsibility greatly. Mm. Uh, we're, we're almost through it, uh, yeah. audience. Um, uh, Martin Edwards uh, wants to know, is there any... And I think everyone knows your answer to yes. this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, Alice might have a different take. Is there any better food uh, than a sausage wrapped in bacon served on a bed of pork dusted with crackling? It's an even number. It's fine. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I would say uh, yes, but I'm not going to tell you about it because it's my secret. Uh, what, what, What if we were to offer to serve you? Sausage wrapped in bacon served on a bed of pork and dusted with crackling in exchange for the secret. I would say no, thank you. Uh, and finally, guys, uh, un- un- unless something c- comes in that you guys want to attach on to, um, uh, this is from uh, Progress is the Way Forward. Uh, serious question. Right. If the flamingos-, flamingos take over the planet and force a Thunderdome situation between Alliterative and Zoltz Cricket... Right. Who would win? Yes, well, I mean, speaking of, I've never won a, a fight in my entire life. Uh, I mean, I've not lost many, uh, any. In fact, I've, I'm, you know, I am a coward, but I'm also a strategist. So I've managed to avoid <laughs> fights. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a question of win. Uh, I'm not saying I would win. I'm saying I would not lose. I would say, uh, working with Andy Zaltzman, I have learned that he is a, a gentleman and indeed a, a kind and generous human being, and I am a vicious predator waiting to <laughs> leap on any sign of weakness. So uh, would definitely be me. Also, I have a twin brother, so I know how to fight. <laughs> I have an older brother, so I know how to avoid fights. <laughs> Oh, look, you have an older brother, so you know how to take a beating. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, thank you. Thank you to Chris. Thank you enormously to Alice, as ever, for once again joining us at an antisocial time of of her day. And, of course, thank you to the Bugle merch. There you can see that. Look at that T-shirt. Bobble hat of the year. Uh, That's uh, given by the uh, International... uh, Society of Milliners, um, and uh, it's all available on the Bugle uh, webpage. We'll be back uh, next week. Oh, Alice? Uh, yes, we also have uh, merchandise for the last post, uh, half a glass of water, merch, and uh, if you're a small fish in a large basketball court, that's what you want. You're on a half a glass of water. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, put a pin on the 20th of December for around this time, uh, and... You know, if we don't figure something out, um, then just enjoy yourself during that period for me. I think, Alice, is that, are you trying to say that we're going to be doing something live on the internet? Yes, on that but day? I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to promise anything that I can't keep. Oh, no, no, I think you should promise because then that gives us an obligation that we've got to follow right, through. Uh, it? Yes. Do it, on the 20th of December, uh, tune back into Bugle headquarters for a, a live last post something. And also, let's let's say this now, so we have to commit to it. We're going to do a Bugle Live review of the year in some format online, probably around about the 29th or 30th of December. Oh, that's a little tease. Isn't that what you're supposed to do commercially, Chris? You tease people. You don't give no, them it's the a great full facts. Sell. 
straight yep. away. You just float it every out there. Every time, every time, Andrew, I just I, I look at us and I think, ah, oh, what cutting edge business people we are. What entrepreneurs. <laughs> what an amazing sense that's of how capitalism. I, that's how I can have. afford this office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here now are this week's lies about our Bugle premium level voluntary subscribers. To join them or to make any one off or recurring donation to keep the Bugle free, flourishing, and independent, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Lies, please. Ebony Constant believes that it is a shame that there are not public laboratories in the same way there are public parks and benches. It would democratise science, says Ebony, which for too long has been the preserve of people who happen to have the right type of glasses and the right type of coat. Ebony continues, if everyone could just nip down to the local lab to test out some crackpot theory they've come up with, the chances are eventually someone would actually fluke something worthwhile, Alexander Fleming style. Matt Dunkley would like to see a revival of the ancient Christmas tradition of donkey interrogation. I reckon they're hiding a lot more than they let on, says a sceptical Matt, those donkeys. Physically, they've not got a lot going for them apart from strength and stamina, but they managed to wheedle their way into the highest echelons of some of the top Bible committees, so I think they're probably spies passing on info. Carl Yearwood points out that there was in fact no known Christmas tradition of donkey interrogation and that the rumour that Matt had heard that there was came from a misinterpretation of a scene at an amateur dramatic group's Christmas pantomime involving a heated argument in which an older-than-narratively ideal Prince Charming accused both halves of the pantomime horse of having an affair with each other. Daniel Kamen thinks that most ancient traditions are probably made up by lazy historians anyway. Let's face it, says Daniel, if you're a historian, it's quite easy to just make something up. You then hire a few actors to do those slow-motion shots they use in TV documentaries to stop people switching over to watch the football, and then bingo, you're suddenly a world expert in the lost art of hedge-frobbing or the Treaty of Snutterbridge in 1621 or why ancient Sumerian dogs couldn't bark. I'm not judging anyone, I'm just telling it like it is, concludes Daniel. Edward McDonough does not believe that the moon landings were faked, but does believe that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were fakes. In fact, says Edward, the two people who did in fact plod onto the moon, in fact, were in fact the then CIA director, Richard M. Helms, and Secretary of State William P. Rogers, who went to negotiate with any moon people or other aliens in an effort to build alliances against A, the Soviet Union, and B, the Martians. And Rory H.J. believes that someday the United Nations will finally get round to imposing a single global bedtime. Obviously, says Rory, it would be categorised by age bracket up to the age of 18 and then again from the age of 45 upwards, but it might prove surprisingly popular and clear up a lot of arguments between children and their parents, and later in life, vice versa. Here endeth this week's lies. Goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you must be so excited. Listen now.